Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And it's time for the Tennessee Power Hour. Outkick 360 rolls on from our 6th and Peabody studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Great to have Jacob Swanson back in the fold today. Jakob returns. You may Triumphant been, return. If you missed the end of the last hour, if you're joining us in Fox Sports Shoals, Fox Sports Knoxville, maybe you missed Paul's story of the car accident today. And, Paul, you probably gave Jacob nightmares. Yeah, well, he didn't get a hug after his accident when he was uh, passed out. Right. For several hours. <laughs> <laughs> they, they stripped him of they, his they clothes. Yeah, they, they but fortunately for all of us, he wasn't wearing one of his best T-shirts that That's night. That's right. That's right. Well, one of his favorites was cut off of his body, but our favorites our remains. Favorites. Well, yeah, never well, mind his favorites. Right, we, yeah. we don't care exactly, about that. Exactly. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 throughout the hour and uh, throughout the evening. You can find us on podcasts wherever you download your podcast. We hope you go to YouTube as well next time you're there. If you're watching there, we say thank you. You can join us on the chat. Also, subscribe to the channel. Just search at Outkick360. Hit the subscribe button and ring that bell so you know we go live each and every day at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick network. Lots to get to today with the Tennessee Titans. We will do that coming up. We start, though, uh, with the Tennessee Volunteers, and they're great play as of late. Uh, a lot of hype around Hypel and the offense, and rightfully so with the way they have throttled their last two opponents and it sets up quite the matchup against Ole Miss, who just put up 52 against Arkansas. And we know what they're capable of and how fast they run their offense as well with their Heisman Trophy uh, hopeful in Matt Corral and Kiffin calling plays. Uh, Lane Kiffin certainly knows when to take certain shots through the media. And he did that yesterday at his press conference saying, yeah, I've heard it's going to be a great atmosphere at Neyland in Knoxville. It's going to be sold out for the first time in years, I believe is how he threw that in there. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing and uh, I, I would imagine, Chad, that he will continue to uh, poke the bear, so to speak, throughout the week because he did not mind being the center of attention in Tuscaloosa. He certainly will not mind being the center of attention this week either. Sometimes sports have a way of coming together, and it's the perfect formula and the perfect mix, and uh, the right thing happens yeah. in the end, right? Yes. yes. It does seem like the right thing to happen is that the guy who put in motion Tennessee's 12-year downfall by leaving late in the night after one season in Lane Kiffin and how everything went to you-know-what after that that the moment that Tennessee would then have their signature win to be back on the rise to prominence would come against that very person when he came back to Knoxville as the head coach for the first time. But sports aren't always a fairy tale either. And that may be a fairy tale for Tennessee fans right now because Ole Miss is very, very good. Now, that being said, Tennessee, number one in the SEC in the following categories. In the entire conference, rushing touchdowns, Total offense in conference games. First downs. 
Tackles for loss on defense. By the way, second nationally That's great. in tackles for loss. Turnover margin. And 30-plus yard plays in SEC games. They have 11 of those. Josh Heupel's done a great job. I understand that two of those three SEC games were against Missouri and South Carolina in blowouts. The other one was a loss down in the swamp against Florida. But regardless, I think the approach of, of Heupel, what I've seen so far, it's exactly what Tennessee needed. Because Jeremy Pruitt... I don't want to make this all about, well, the last guy did this, now the new guy does that. But he, here's where, what, the way Jeremy Pruitt coached. He put fear in his players. There was constant fear. Fear of disappointing their coach. Fear of screwing something up. Fear of turning the ball over. And what that did was lead to turnovers and mess-ups and mental mistakes and punts. Lots and lots of punts on offense. Because Jeremy Pruitt was quick to point out, you know, sometimes a punt, it's better, better than turnover. That's a good play. Throw it away. It's back. It's a punt. Josh Heupel is the anti-Jeremy Pruitt in that what he is teaching and instilling in his players is courage. Go make the play. We're going to score a touchdown. We're not thinking punt. We're thinking playing fast and scoring a lot of touchdowns. Javante Payton told the media today, he said, yeah, I know Ole Miss scores a lot of points, but that's what our offense does too. And we'll score as many as necessary based on what our defense is doing with them. That they have full faith they're going to go in there and score a lot of points also. That's refreshing to hear if you're a Tennessee fan. I think this aggressive approach and a lack of fear with Tennessee football, and some would say, well, that means the head coach is soft or whatever. I I don't believe that. I think that you have to play this game unafraid. And that's what Josh Heupel has shown more than anything else. They don't go into games afraid. They're not playing as as I... Stole the line yesterday from from 10 Cup. They're not there to lay up. They're there to put up points. They're there to go for it when necessary and and win games. And I think that's a refreshing approach as opposed to going into every situation fearful. And and Josh Heupel's done an amazing job of instilling more courage with his players than fear. He's also done it without making excuses on the front end. And that's, that's really what has been refreshing from him and from his staff compared to what we have seen recently on the Hill. And and let me take it a step further and explain what I'm talking about. I can't recall him saying, you know what? Things are what they are right now, but we're going to hit the ground recruiting. We need to get our guys in here. We need to build up some depth. I mean, they do. They do need to build up their depth. But he's not throwing that out there as some excuse in order to set aside this season because they had 30-plus players leave in the transfer portal, and they've had injuries. They had a, a replacement quarterback come in because their other quarterback couldn't, couldn't complete an open pass. Uh, they, they have, what, 71 scholarship players compared to the rest of the Southeastern Conference. I mean, again, all of that is true, and it's still accurate to say, but he's not leading that out there for a prop to lean up against whenever things go bad. And, and that, that has been used as an excuse for poor play and really poor performance offensively year after year as they go through injuries, as they lose certain amount of talent, as they don't get who they want in recruiting. Heupel's been the opposite, and it's refreshing to see him run his system, get the most out of certain players now as they take advantage of their schedule. And... Get, take advantage of what is a great skill set by Hendon Hooker 
um, who was coming to Tennessee before Heupel even got here. That That's important to note in all this is he's made the most already of what he inherited. And now we I think the door is open to set new expectations on what has already exceeded my personal expectations yes. for year number one with imagine, Josh Heupel. Imagine what happens when he gets his own people. He didn't brace people for, in, in case things go bad, I'm going to set you up for potential failure, like you, you, you kind of indicated there. So uh, never mind doing it during like when things aren't going well and things have gone pretty well. But the thing he, that I really kind of respect is he didn't do it in advance, like to set people up. All right, in case this doesn't go well, I'm going to lay out uh, a scenario here that'll put people at ease in case it doesn't go well. He just got in and went about his business. And in, in both college and the pros, we've seen examples of people turning things around faster than we think is possible generally. It's different in college because the, the rosters are so big and there's so much recruiting that goes on that you really think a guy needs a lot of time. And he does to get all the way to the, to the end of it, right? In the NFL, you can get two drafts and, and one big free agent class, and you, you can do it pretty fast. In, in college, there are five-year contracts generally for a reason, and you talk about waiting a guy out, or you, you hesitate to fire a guy because you, then you say, well, we're setting ourselves back with another restart. But here's a guy, Sam Pittman is a guy, too, that in relative short order – you see some results. And for once, Tennessee is pissing off other schools who have had it slow because Tennessee repeatedly took too long and made those excuses. So it's ultra refreshing that there are no excuses because you heard a lot of them for the last three guys. And, and there's, it's more than excuses as well. It's, it's been it's a, Heupel is a guy who coaches. We, we know he can coach. The question is, can he recruit, right? Past coaches at Tennessee – have been really good on the recruiting trail. Well, couldn't we coach. Knew they couldn't coach. Couldn't game plan. So couldn't might as scheme. Well flip couldn't it inside couldn't develop Jim players. Chaney, it's maddening to watch him with Jarrett Garantano run five plays against Georgia State. The same five over and over again. And part of it's because they'd have a quarterback. But again, Heupel had a quarterback that's throwing 30 yards downfield over an open, wide open, schemed open receiver. And... They're still close in that game against Pitt. I, th- I think that's important to note. Even in a game against Florida uh, that they didn't come close to winning in that second half, there's still a wide-open receiver that drops a, an open pass that is dropped into it based on a good plan going into the game. And, and we've doing, seen that recently. Doing the what last they're doing too. should help them recruit. It no, should. Yeah. It should. And the recruiting piece of it is still a big question mark because it's not picked up uh, recruiting so far, which needs to change. And there's still time. But what I've seen, Josh Heupel, his ability to work with maybe a little bit less than others out there and still be productive and do a good job is, is very refreshing. And let me say this about excuses and making excuses to the media. When you talk to the media, you're talking to your team. So when Jeremy Pruitt starts talking about how great it was at Alabama and how those players, it sounds different when an Alabama player hits you as opposed to our guys, or when Butch Jones talks about a you know, three-, four-, five-year process when he takes over, oh, your goodness. players hear that. It's not just the media and the fans that it, it angers. Your players start to hear that, and they silently make excuses for their own poor play and for things not happening right away. 
Josh Heupel has been the opposite. He, he has embraced these players that stayed, that decided to stay. A lot of them could have gone. A lot of them did leave. Mm-hmm. Those that stayed wanted to be there. Brandon Turnage decided to go from Alabama to Tennessee to play. He is a third-string nickelback. He comes in because of injuries to Theo Jackson, Danico Slaughter. He wins SEC Player of the Week in his first game. Here's another thing I love about Josh Heupel and Steph. They're learning about this roster as they go. They're learning that Hendon Hooker is the better option than Joe Milton. Didn't know that right away because they were wowed by Joe Milton's arm and some of his athletic ability. Hendon Hooker, they're now learning how to play with him, and he's got ridiculous stats for that very reason. I think a guy like Brandon Turnage, his performance, got to get him in the game. Got to put him in another spot. Let's get let's see more out of him. I, this is refreshing to see a familiarity being built with his players, an adjustment, guys being put in the right position. Valus Jones now is in the perfect spot yes. based on the start of the year with, with his level of production. Jalen Hyatt, I think, is going to start to come on now after he had a big touchdown catch uh, against South Carolina. These are things that you love to see with Josh Heupel. Chad, it's also interesting. Uh, it's hard not to think about what um, Eric Gray would be doing in this offense. Eric Gray, who's a complete non-factor in one of the games of the year, Oklahoma, Texas. Looking for him on the stat sheet or on the highlight reel. Not going to find him at Oklahoma. I mean, it would have been... He would have done everything that Tyon Evans is doing right now and maybe more based on his ability. And uh, look, it was a bad decision. You can say whatever you want, but I mean, you, you went to play for a coach who turned out to not be a very good coach in Jeremy Pruitt. And you were an in-state guy, and you decided when that coach left, you had to go somewhere else. So you go to Oklahoma, and you're a complete non-factor. I mean, if, if you gave Eric Gray truth serum, he'd probably tell you it was a mistake also. I'm not saying it was a mistake for everyone. No, You know, no. Jameer Johnson went to A&M, and while they've struggled, he started. I get the mentality of the guys wanting to leave uh, uh, in an opportunity to do so and taking advantage of it. Um, and we started the season in Knoxville now, kicked the tailgate tour, discussing uh, the fact that uh, Tennessee fans should be uh, welcoming, no matter what happens this season, to the guys who decided to stay and stick around. Yep. And it's great to see those guys reap the rewards of doing so and have the hype around them because their coach is doing a great job coaching, believe it or not. Like that, that, that's what's got them to this point now where we can now raise the bar and see w- if they keep pace with Ole Miss this week. They, to me, that is going to help them leaps and bounds in recruiting because, because of the pace, because of the, the sexy aspect of the offense. Here's another fast school you could come to right. just like them. Right. Well, and also, I mean, Lane Kiffin can make all the jokes that he wants about, you know, first sale on years. You've got the second smallest stadium in the conference. Try competing with this atmosphere. It's going to be 102,000 people in a checkerboard kneeling environment with recruits on the sideline. Now go to Ole Miss and repeat that environment with 45,000 people or whatever the, uh, the, the capacity is there. So make your jokes, that's fine, but Tennessee's got a great opportunity. And because, Hutton, they've won two SEC games in a row, it's created an actual atmosphere right. for a night game on SEC Network. This is not the ESPN right. night game. This is an SEC Network night game that's going to be a checkered kneeling environment. Tennessee's got a great opportunity in front of them. Even if it's, like you said, if it's a shootout that they lose – you know, that could be a win in recruiting for Tennessee right now and get to six wins. 
I think that's the key now. Don't right. screw this up by losing to South Alabama or Vandy. Get to at least six. I, I think they've got a great shot at seven. I really think they have a good shot to split with Ole Miss and Kentucky. If they do that, season is a smashing success. It's successful if they get it to is. six. It is. It's a smashing success at seven and five. Hot, you look like Glenn Close in the natural. You've got some light on you. I've YouTube, got Paul. some too. But you look like Glenn Close in the natural, watching Roy Hobbs, a beam of light striking her like an angel. Well, Hutton is our angel. Angelic. It makes the sense. Wi- the wider again. Um, we, uh, coming up, the Titans. Uh, we'll get into the news and notes on this Tuesday We've edition. We've got a retirement. During, we have a retirement. We have more depth issues with the injury report and some roster uh, adjustments that have been made today ahead of week six as they take on Buffalo. And one key area that the Titans must excel in on Monday Night Football against the Bills where they have not done so to this point of the season so far, that sets up kind of the week and the storyline of how they go in and compete against the best team in the AFC on the national spotlight and how they can turn things around on what is right now a 3-2 and two season against a Buffalo Bills team that is really, really red hot right now. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, talking Titans football. It will be Titans and Bills on Monday Night Football at Nissan Stadium in Week 6. And the Titans remain banged up. We'll get the official uh, injury report tomorrow uh, as they get back to work on preparation for the top team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, um, who took care of Kansas City without much trouble. Uh, this past Sunday night. Um, and just to, to add to that, Paul, they've made more roster adjustments today to get ready for the upcoming match. Well, Mike Kliss, the fine TV reporter in Denver, reports that um, West, not Wesley Woods. Avery Williamson. Avery Williamson uh, is signing with the Titans. He left the team after his four-year contract to go to the Jets, spent just a week in Denver, now, so inside linebacker help doesn't bode very well for Jayon Brown um, and his injury, though they need help now. Maybe some help for Rashad Evans, who we're all saying should be on the field a lot less. Titans also got a weird development today. Ty Sembrello on the reserve retired list. So he's done. That means Dylan Radens is going to be active every week. The next step is for him to play with some regularity. I've got a theory here because Keith Carter today talked about how uh, Corey Levin last week got the backup left guard snaps, which is why he went in for um, Roger Saffold. But then he talked about that there's an opportunity coming soon for Raidens. Mike Vrabel made it sound yesterday like Roger Saffold could go on the shelf for a while until he's able to make it through, to, to get him in position where he's able to make it through entire games with his shoulder issue. And Keith Carter said today that Raidens will get an opportunity here shortly. So, uh, and, and Carter also made it sound like, you know, Raidens is a man without a position because they're moving him around so much and that that's going to change. I'm wondering if they're going to work him at left guard and, and, insert him at left guard as Saffold gets some time off yeah. to, to get ready. So Raidens is going to be active with Sambrello out. Now is he going to play some left guard maybe with Saffold getting that shoulder right? I would hope he's active. I, 
they, they, I know they made some moves. Who else did they sign? Did you mention uh, that? Yeah, so the other moves. Uh, Derwin Brett, Gray. Brett Kern, who, by the way, was on COVID last year, the list, went on the COVID list. He's also um, on a, uh, has a right groin injury, which is the reason they're using a backup punter. They waived uh, defensive lineman Woodrow Hamilton, who I imagine will resurface on the practice squad. Derwin Gray, offensive lineman to the practice squad. Uh, offensive lineman Jimmy Murray to the practice squad. So they're really working through the offensive line issues. Um, Murray's Murray played with the Chiefs briefly. Not much to, to write home about. And um, Gray was briefly in training camp with the Titans. So there is familiarity there with what he brings to the table. Uh, but you would expect... Raidens to be ahead of them as the swing guy. Uh, but although you can have active players off the practice squad. That, so, I mean, Brewer's out hurt. Right. So he would be behind Brewer, but Brewer's out hurt. Sounds like Levin was ahead of him only because last week they decided that Levin got the work at that position. So if, if Nate Davis had gotten hurt, uh, uh, Raidens would have played right guard as opposed to Roger Saffold getting hurt at left guard. While we're talking offensive line, there, there's a play that's circulating on social media. If you haven't seen it, it's not hard to find, uh, where the offensive line is just um, confused, uh, including Nate Davis, who doesn't jump off the line of scrimmage uh, at, when the ball is snapped. Everybody. Right, and they're cl- clearly not knowing the snap count, but Paul... I asked Carter about that today, and yeah. he said there was a lot of confusion going on there, and that was not a Nate Davis issue. That was a issue for everybody so they were all out of sync and a whole bunch of guys messed up jeff swain was also terrible on that 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 play he's in motion and then goes over and has a tim tebow-esque block i i gave luke steckle a chance today to talk about jeff swain and while he said there are some plays he would want back he also said uh you know he's he's concluding recovering from his missed time in camp, something I don't want to hear in week five. Um, and he's excited about his future fans, of course, are lighting that up. I don't think that's the right approach for a position coach to say. I think when a guy's struggling, you've got to do more to acknowledge the guy's struggling. Uh, if you want to put a happy ending on it, put a happy ending on it. But, you know, I, I, Jeff Swaim is struggling. The Titans are not getting production out of And this may be where you're heading, Hutton. Out of tight ends right now. Michael Pruitt's been a pleasant surprise. Anthony Ferkser, who fans fought tooth and nail to say was going to be just fine replacing Jonu Smith, missed two games, hasn't done a damn thing. And Jeff Swain is part of the protection issues and and Derrick Mm -hmm. Henry's running despite him, not because of him. Jeff Swain's been a zero. You and I were looking up earlier where exactly um, Luke Stocker Yes, it's and Luke Stocker's nowhere. Nowhere. Uh, and I'd keep him on, on speed dial if Jeff Swaim continues to go the way he's going. So let's just stay on tight end for a brief moment, then, then I'm going to get to one key area that they have to improve on against the Bills that they haven't done so far. Um, at tight end. So last year, Jonu Smith at this, at this time had five touchdown receptions. Um, they we, Right when Lawan went down. We knew was he five, was right? – yes. We knew he was going to be hard to replace at the position – and Ferkser has been hurt for two of these games to start the season. Ferkser has nine catches for 75 yards right now, averaging 8.3 yards per reception. And dropped a game-winning touchdown in New York. 
or didn't, yes, didn't yes. catch it. I don't um, know if he last it. year at this time, Jonu Smith had 19 catches, 234 yards. He averaged 12.3. So while Ferkser has not been close to Jonu Smith, Ferkser has not also not been close to Ferkser of last year to begin the season. Ferkser had 17 catches for 182 yards, and he averaged 10.7 yards per reception at this time last year. He had a touchdown as well. Now, that would include the massive breakout. I believe it was the Houston game. The breakout performance that he had uh, against the Texans um, where, you know, he flashed. And yep. that's that's what you would hope for. That's what got as, people excited. As they start to move forward here with Ferkser is he gives you a flash of excellence. He gives you a boost at the position that they have not had. Uh, Jeff Swaim last year had two catches for 10 yards. I mean, they're barely using him last year. They're using him as a blocker. Uh, this year, he's got uh, five catches for 37. And they have uh, they had Tommy Hudson before he got hurt playing the role of, of Michael Pruitt last year at this time. And Pruitt this year has six catches for nearly 80 yards. He's averaging 13 yards per reception. So He's found the end zone, found a two-point yeah. conversion. He was great against Seattle, Pruitt. I mean, Pruitt's the only tight end right now with a touchdown yeah. for the Titans. They're not getting enough out of that spot. I'm going to do some research tonight, and I'm, I'll write about that this week. I think they're playing a lot of 11 also. Um, a lot of three wide. And I want them in three wide when A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are out there. I don't know how much I want them in three wide, and maybe it's working for Derrick Henry, though they play a lot of tight formations with Derrick Henry, which I don't understand. Um, but when the pass protection's so bad, would you? Uh, here's the question. like When the pass protection's so bad, do you want three targets out with extra protection in? Or do you want more targets out with less guys in and faster? I think it's a, you know, pick your scenario thing. Pick the one that's working. But I think we expected the three tights to come down, two tights to come down. They played 35% last year, I think, the mm -hmm. most in the league. I suspect it's come dramatically down. Here's an area for... And maybe it's because they don't have the tight ends to do it. Well, they don't. Yeah. For, and, and part of it is Ferkshire has been hurt for a couple of these games. But still, I mean, uh, that... that the key area, the middle of the field that they're not taking advantage of. They also don't have time to really set up anything offensively. Yeah. Well, here's the sad thing. They don't have the two tights to play too tight. Right now, they don't have the three wides to play three wide either. That's, that's all true. <laughs> What's your next person? Go, should they go two back? Yeah, you give it to, you know, you give it to one back. Yeah. Um, so here, going into the Buffalo game, week six, Monday night football, there's an area that the offense must excel in, not just be good, but great at on Monday night to stand a chance against Buffalo. And it's start fast, it's starting fast, but it's also starting fast on first down. And they, they have not done that to a great extent. Um, and starting fast for the most part, just looking at their opening possession to start games. I mean, they, they give the opponent a great chance to either get the football and get a couple of possessions to get rolling before the Titans offense does anything or the Titans have the football to start and immediately punt. So against Arizona, three plays, zero yards, opening possession. Seattle, three plays, nine yards. Against the Colts, three plays, minus eight, gave up a sack. Against the Jets, two first downs, 31 total yards, and then a field goal, and that was thanks to great field position. Counts. But again, that, uh, they get points on the board. Uh, and against Jacksonville, one first down, 18 total yards. I mean, these slow, sputtering starts where they do not come out with any rhythm or execution, and in some cases, get negative yardage. The Titans rank 
25th in first quarter yardage among all offenses. So if you're just if you're struggling to get going against Jacksonville, against the Jets, fine. But against Buffalo, you've got to keep the throttle up and ready to go. There's no you, you can't put the engine on choke mode while you try to crank it. Like you gotta you gotta get going here. And the Titans right now are twenty-fourth in first half point differential. So be gone. You'll be done by uh, done. against Buffalo. Done. Because as you've mentioned, Buffalo is the top scoring offense and the top scoring defense. With meaning they they're the best scoring offense and they hold opponents to the fewest points. You'll be done at halftime if you're plodding along. And that's scripted offense. So we've been seeing some things from Todd Downing that we like. But you've got first 15 scripted. Now, Arthur Smith, you know, kind of downplayed that. Like, what have we we're seen not that running we like? one, two, three, four, five to, to 15. But, you know, these are plays we intend to get to in the opening thing. And that's not very good. What have we seen that we like? We hit some yesterday. Uh, well, we had the that. last game, I think we saw some yeah. adjustments that we like, but it's been a bad start. For and, and he's, until he's that using Derrick Henry properly. Against a bad team, yeah. also in this last game. I, 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 I'm with you, Hutton, on that. It, this game's imperative to get off to a, a quick start, and I was just about to say, a lot of that's on Todd Downing to script something on that first series where you get seven. I mean, if you want to stay with Buffalo, get seven on your first series. That is a great start. That's where you have to be in a game like this. You can't sputter your way through a first quarter well, against them. And, and I don't know where you are upset. with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in this, um, but I'd say go ahead and throw a big wrinkle in there. Well, so Trick play, whatever. Juice so it. they've got to have they got to have those horses back because – the, the reason why the quick start is so important and the fact I have no faith in them coming back from a double-digit deficit against Buffalo, if, the, if that's the case. Well, Buffalo, by the way, averages around 16 points in the first half. The Titans, by comparison, are getting 9.8. And Buffalo allows just over seven points per first half. Yeah, with Derrick Henry, uh, you know, I, um, I'll, I'll retract my hesitance a little bit because if that's no. a deficit, you can hang with Derrick Henry there. But here, but the if you're points, down six, seven, Buffalo, eight. Buffalo right now, uh, in point differential, they've outscored opponents by nearly 22 points per game. So you got you have to keep up with them. And the key to this, and the wrinkle, Paul, that they it's not even a wrinkle. It's what they had last year. That they don't have this year. Are the big plays? Yes. Um, digging on that, the Titans have four completions on. Passes of over 20 yards, air yards. Four completions of Tannehill throwing the football longer than 20 yards in the air. Rarely has time to let that develop. Tannehill is four of 17 on those attempts. Not good at all. Well, not good, but also the lack of attempts is crazy. 17 attempts of 20 yards or more passing. Um, Let's compare that to Buffalo. Buffalo has 24 attempts. Of, of air yard, 20 yards or more, pushing it downfield. Josh Allen's completed 11 of 24. Arizona, by comparison, 26 attempts of 20 yards or more in the air. Kyler Murray's completed 17 of those. There is no, there is no firepower to the Titans' horsepower offense right now. No, That is a and great percentage, by the way, for Murray. 17 they for push 26? It. They push it. They force the issue. And honestly, why not? 
the, the, the rule book is set up in your favor. Go draw pass interference. Yes, yep. it's set up in your favor. That is indicative of an offense that does not trust its offensive line. It's not about separation. There's, there's a lot of hand-holding and uh, excuse-making going on right now to make sure that the offensive line doesn't take the brunt of everything that's happening uh, with Tannehill hanging onto the football too long and uh, the wide receivers not getting separation. In some cases, I don't care if you're separated or not. Put the ball in the air and go draw, draw a defensive pass interference. I agree push with it. you, you have but to have Chester Rogers it. and Cam Batson are not going to go draw pass interference on those things as opposed to A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Well, then again, I, I prefaced the, all this by saying guy. you have to have Josh your horses Reynolds, back. Yeah. Josh Reynolds drew Josh a pass Reynolds interference building. Yeah. You, you have to have Nick that ability Westbrook to Akina do it. Nick Westbrook-Akina can't. Uh, the other thing, not just that, I'm not as concerned with air yards, though I want to see those, those cracks, but the Titans have taught me through the Arthur Smith thing and through A.J. Brown, I'm perfectly happy to see a six-yard pass to A.J. Brown that he can run with. Those crossers, though, well, also you, but, take time. But you have to, you have to even though A.J. is fully capable of taking a six-yard crosser to the house, you have to add in some deep, shot opportunities 20 plus yards put in the air because you right now the titans offense is in a very condensed box you defend 20 yards to the line of scrimmage oh i agree entirely without aj or julio in the lineup they they've completed two passes of 20 or more yards they've attempted 10 i agree entirely i just wanted to stack on top of that and blake bettingfield's been emphasizing this that that a lot of those crossers they run are also slow developing plays. And so the pass protection's affecting even those, the six yard air pass but, where AJ's coming across doesn't have time to develop either, which he might take 40 yards. So you're missing out on the air, the air pass, which stretches yeah. them one way, and you're missing out on the other crosser pass because they're slow developing plays and they can't do anything that takes time. Right. And that's where I don't like. They're not calling these plays in part because A.J. and Julio are out, but also because why would you trust the offensive line to get Tannehill any time? Tannehill has been sacked, what, 20 times now, right? 20 times. He's on pace for 68 in a 17-game season. Guess how many times Josh Allen has been sacked? I'm guessing like seven. uh, Chad? Five. The answer is five. He's been sacked five times. Yeah, that's Tannehill's a quality of, of, of a team that ranks as a best Tyler team Tyler Murray, league. who moves around in the pocket, and he's been sacked ten times. Can I ask you guys maybe what, what it might be a silly question? But why handhold the offensive line and not quarterback or wide receiver? I think they're If I you're looking for someone to, to blame, I don't understand. The, the offensive line should be the last group that gets their feelings hurt. Who's the, who's about the most people weak-minded saying that on they're, this team? That they're bad. Who's the most weak-minded on this team right now? Well, I think Lawan's psyche is a factor there. I think Nate Davis probably is not the strongest mentally now. Not that he's not a strong mental guy, but he's going through something clearly. They're and taking I don't the brunt. They're taking a lot of heat. Quesenberry, definitely. There's a lot of deflecting that's gone on, especially this week with, uh, hey, make sure you note that Tannehill's hanging on the ball too long. And I'm thinking, this guy isn't even attempting deep separation. passes because the offensive line sucks. That's a good question, though, Chad. Why, well, I mean, why not how equally teams, distribute the blame or start with the offensive line like you always do in pass protection? How many football teams, just in, at any level, would you say the offensive line is more mentally weak when it comes to criticism as opposed to the wide receiver group? Very rare. I mean, that's not 
Typically, the personality of the offensive line is we'll take the blame. We also know we're not going to get any credit. We're just there to shut up and do our job and block when we can. And we are tough guys. And you get the AJ Brown tweet response that I got. That that's more common from a wide receiver. Yes. I, I would agree with that. It's just, I, I was thinking about it, and I understand. We all know that different things go into sacks, but it is very clear for anyone who's ever watched football that when you watch the Titans, the biggest reason for the sacks is a weak offensive line right now. But yet, there's this constant tug of war to say, well, sometimes the quarterback holds it too much, or we're not getting separation with the receivers. And it's just, it's odd that there's a lot of babying going on with the offensive line. I think it's fine to say, you know, to remind people, hey, it's not all the offensive line. That's fine. No, not every sack is on the offensive yeah. line. But, uh, I mean, Tannehill's also taking hits after the fact that are not recorded that are on the offensive line. Agreed. I mean, it evens out with the defense of the group. And 20 sacks to – I mean, Josh Allen hangs on to the ball. To go he, lets from it, 24, he lets it rip deep. He's been sacked five times. To go from 24 to on pace for 68 without that dramatic a change – is personnel-wise, with with one new starter and your good starter back at left tackle, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Again, all, all of these stats, to, just to set up the point, they have to start fast on Monday night because Buffalo will take advantage of that. They've done that each week. They even did it against Pittsburgh. They didn't do that in the second half against Pittsburgh. They jumped out to the early lead. They know how to start fast and get going. And no matter how good your defense is, this Buffalo offense is going to score. The league is set up that way. So can this Titans offense get Julio back this week? Can they find some form of health up front of the offensive line and figure it out? And can they give Tannehill enough time to set up some offensive drives early that have been derailed due to third and long in certain situations to begin the season? All questions we can discuss throughout the week. One more. You send those guys deep. Say they play both, both of them play Monday night. Mm-hmm. I'm watching a hamstring every damn time. <laughs> oh, I'm watching uh, their hamstrings uh, I, every, every, every route. That's the fear every time you have one of those injuries the rest of the season. More discussion on the Titans and Bills straight ahead. I'll kick 360 rolls on. <music> FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the site to visit. If you're a current user at FanDuel, hit the link. If you want to be a new user at FanDuel, great offer for you with Thursday Night Football. 30 to 1 odds on either the Bucks or the Eagles to win. It's a straight money line bet. This has to be your first bet. The odds boost with FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You deposit $10. That's the minimum deposit requirement as a new user at FanDuel. You then can bet $5 to win $150. That's the max bonus is $150. It's got to be your first bet. Again, first bet only. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash OK360. The offer is valid in all legal states where FanDuel operates. FanDuel.com slash OK360. What a great development if you're a Titans fan last night for Monday oh, Night Football with the comeback win. That was crazy. By Colts the, just by the Ravens over the Colts. Bomb. I, I went from thinking, boy, we may be crowned the Titans AFC South champions too early to, nope, they're, yeah. they're, they're done. They're the champions. <laughs> I That's mean, it. They're, they're the champions. They were in control. They looked good. And you felt really good about them. Like you, you, you running said, the ball well. It looked like a, a two-team a two-team division again, 
and then they just stopped. <laughs> well, but really what happened is the Ravens started. Yeah. I mean, that, but you have to stop them from starting. Yeah. Uh, in, in a game like that where you have control, and, and uh, they didn't have any answers at that point, which is, is bad football. What a great win by the Ravens. Really they, good. I mean, Lamar they, Jackson was incredible. They had their – because keep in mind, I always talk about the, the AFC losses, like the Titans lost to the Jets – um, could hurt them down the road just for playoff positioning um, or potentially hosting a game versus not. Yep. But you have the Ravens who lost in overtime to the Raiders who are now headed towards being out of the postseason. As, uh, unless Bisakia just is, does something crazy to rally the, the team, that's where we think this Raiders team is headed. Um, that, would be a, that, that would be a bad loss for the Ravens, for instance. Um, last night would have been uh, that would have been a hard hit, and the fact that they came back and pulled that game out uh, is is massive to their overall playoff positioning. And Baltimore has a couple tough tough games coming up here, yeah, but including all at home. one against Chargers. Yeah. Remember that I pointed nice out last week stretch. they don't they don't they don't go back on the road until November the twelfth. It's really uh, weird or the eleventh November the eleventh. Weird scheduling quirk to be home for so long, but it's got to come back to bite them. That, that was a weird game last night with the comeback for the Ravens mixed in with the Gruden news and the balancing back and forth on the Monday Night Football broadcast watching it. I'm also watching these games and thinking, when are the Manning brothers back? <laughs> Every week, I'm like, well, are they coming back next week? A lot of people were saying last night it was a good night for the Manning brothers not to be on because what, what do you do if you're the Manning brothers last night while that news is going on? Do you just you send it to Schefter it. and let Schefter do the news report and then come back, touch on it briefly, and get back into the game? Or how extensive a conversation would they have been able to have and how extensive a conversation would their audience have wanted them to have? It also, if they were to have – I know they don't return this next week. They're, they're not going to be for Titans-Bills. Week seven, they're There's, back. Yeah, they're yeah. off Titans-Bills. They're back the week after that, whatever that game is for Monday Night Football. But I saw people saying it's a shame – they don't get to do the broadcast two days after their alma maters play. You know, they're not going to have the broadcast, but just the jabbing back and forth if Ole Miss wins that Eli would give Peyton or, or vice versa would be fun for fans of those two schools. Chargers at the Ravens this Sunday. Uh, we also see the Browns. Uh, they're hosting the Cardinals. Chargers feel – I feel. I mean, maybe it's just two in a row. I feel like they've been in a lot of, of games against good teams. Like that is a tested team. No doubt. A quick uh, bit of breaking news here in the Tennessee Power Hour. Tennessee football has just tweeted out, uh, Lane Kiffin was right, officially sold out. 102,455 sold for Saturday night. Is it officially a checker Nealon game? It is officially checker Nealon. Uh, Danny White tweeted out yesterday, there's, a, there's an at checker Nealon account on Twitter. Yeah. And he just tweeted out something like, all right, fine, let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> or he said, fine, I'm in. Good. With that. And they put all the details out there. And uh, Tennessee football tweeted 102-455 with checkerneeland.com underneath it with uh, the key on the map to where you're sitting and what color you need to wear. On the way out, uh, just an update as we end the show today where we are this evening. Mark Maskey reported from the Washington Post that the NFL has no intention of – releasing anything else in regards to the Washington investigation, the Washington football team investigation, the NFLPA, the NFLPA is now petitioning the league to release all football team emails. Yeah. Also to the NFLPA, the 
This yeah. just in from Tom Pelissero via the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have removed John Gruden from the team's ring of honor as, as of now and released a statement about doing so. Now that didn't take long. No, not at all. Uh, and again, Tampa plays Thursday night uh, against the Eagles. We are back at it tomorrow. Uh, big show plan, news headlines across college football. We'll discuss the latest with Gruden. We will discuss uh, the, everything Vols and Titans related in the, the Tennessee Power Hour. Primary complaint tomorrow as well. Looking forward to that. Hope you'll join us. We start at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network. My daily plea, do not block the box. Do lock the locks.